we're talking about in, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, in verse 4, we started off when it says parents, uh, fathers, but really moms and dads, do not provoke your children to anger, but rather bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. We started off talking about how we're not to provoke our children to anger. Well, today, I'm going to tell you exactly how we can, we can stop provoking any of our kids to anger. And it is a very biblical and a very, very easily explained way, if that makes any sense. The words discipline and instruction found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 are defined by two very separate but very distinctive words in the Greek. Discipline is yasad. It means to bring forth pain. Instruct is yakag, Y-A-K-A-A-G. It means to prove or to convince or to correct or to instruct. Yasad, instructing is the, or excuse me, Yasad, discipline, is the breaking of the rebellion, the, the, the will, not the spirit of the child. Yakag, on the other hand, is to deal with the reasoning and the instruction of your children. You must always, we must always instruct before we discipline. Look, unless we know the rules, we can't expect anyone to follow them. In, in our home, Kay and myself, we decided that the fewer the rules, the better. But the discipline would be swift. It would be, if, if, if they knew exactly what they could do and exactly what they shouldn't do, th- then discipline would be easy to uh, give out. And so the question that you and I ought to ask is, why is discipline and why is instruction so important within the Word of God? And it is. It, it, it is very, very distinctive. It is spelled out. You have to want to miss it, not to see what God is saying about how we are to raise our children and not provoking them to anger. So let's get into it and let's first ask God to bless us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how can we say enough or how can we show you uh, our love for you? Father, there is so much that we can be thankful for, if not only our salvation, but so much more. Lord, would you take of of our time this morning, would you bless it? Would you move it out of my hands and, and place it firmly into yours so that we would behold wonderful things from your law? that you would open up our eyes, open up our hearts and our minds so that we might see what it is you're trying to teach us. I beg of you to move me aside. I beg of you, Father, that you would uh, allow us to see what is a critical part in all of our lives with our children, and that is how we are to raise them, a biblical way. So teach us, Father, we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I want you to note something as we get into this. We're basically going to be in Proverbs. You can hold your place in Ephesians, but we're only going to refer back to it. And we're only going to refer back to that one verse. Actually, that's, that's not exactly true. I one other verse. But basically, we'll be in Proverbs. As you look down, you'll see Psalms 127, verse 3. We'll just touch on that. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, we're going to touch on that. 
That is, uh, do nothing from selfishness nor empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of us regard one another as more important than we do our own selves. You want to talk about a godly home. You want to talk about a godly anything, church especially too, is when we think more highly. If I could love Cara just and, 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 and think more highly of her than I do myself. That's that's the process. And then the other hand, she should do the same for all of us. We should we should consider each other as more important than we do our own selves. Well, when we understand that principle within the family, it, it becomes really a, a special place to live. It is a, it is a real bonding of a, a group of people who really care for one another and love one another. It was a fun time in our life as parents. I must say to you, uh, and I, I told my kids over and over again, look, this is the first time I've ever tried to do this. I don't know about this whole thing of raising you, but... I'll tell you this, I, I told them often, I, I will be consistent as I can be and I will love you no matter what. There's nothing you can do that will stop me from loving you. With that in mind, we, we move into Proverbs chapter 19. Would you please look at Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 18 with me? Why is discipline, why is instruction so important to God for our children? The same word discipline is found in Proverbs 19, 18, where it says, Discipline your child while there is hope. Do not desire his death. Whoa! It says discipline our kids in their youth. To do so will keep them from death. Now, he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. Look at Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14. We are told in Proverbs 23, verse 13, don't hold back discipline from your children. Although you beat him with a rod, he's not going to die. You shall beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from Sheol. That's death. Obviously, spiritual death. The death we read about in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 18 and in Proverbs 23 verses 13 and 14 tells us very specifically that we are to discipline. That means bring forth pain for the welfare of our children so that they will not destroy themselves so that they might not lose their soul, their salvation. Now, Okay, I understand. This sounds barbaric, does it not? To discipline where you bring forth pain? Come on. Why is God saying this about our little angels? I thought He's told us we're to love our children. Why are we beating them to pain? Look at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15, and He will tell you why. It says in Proverbs 22.15 that foolishness, that's the key word here, foolishness is bound up in the heart, that is the will of a child. The rod of discipline, that means pain, will remove it, will remove foolishness far from them. Now foolishness is not just some little word here, just meaning childlike pranks. No, no. Foolishness here, well, To see it, we need to turn now to Proverbs chapter 19 
in verse 3. We'll watch God through the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, kind of weave this ideal of how we are to treat our children as we follow these words. In in Proverbs 19.3, it says, The foolishness of a man subverts his way and his heart rages against the Lord. The word subvert there is to overthrow something in an underhanded way. Bottom line, the word subvert means rebellious or rebellion. And the seed, it says in in verse 3 of Proverbs 19, that causes a person to wage war against God is bound up where? It's bound up within our hearts. Note Proverbs 19, verse 3. The heart rages against the Lord. So God is clearly warning us concerning our children that we need to remove foolishness or subversion or rebellion which is bound up in their hearts far from them. And that is done, Scripture tells us, in Ephesians 6.4 by discipline and instruction. Proverbs 22.15, we were just there, correctly warns us, foolishness is bound up in the heart or the will of a child. The rod of discipline, that that brings forth pain, is going to remove foolishness far from him. I want you to listen to something. While I was studying this, I came upon a report from the Minnesota Crime Commission. Secular group. It has nothing to do with faith, Christianity, or religion. It is a, it is a group of people who dealt with delinquents. They wrote this report about children. Now, most secular studies that I've ever looked at don't believe in original sin. However, listen to this crime report by Minnesota. It starts off by saying, every baby, not, not, a, not a few, it says, every baby starts out life as a little savage. Well, obviously, obviously, they must have had some pretty bad juvenile delinquency there in Minnesota. Every baby, it says, starts out life as a little savage. They are completely selfish and self-centered. They want what they want when they want it, whether it be his bottle, his mother's attention, his uncle's watch, or his playmate's toy. Deny him these things, and he sees with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous, they write, if he were not so little and helpless. They go on to say, this little baby is a dirty being without morals, without knowledge, and without skills, needs to be led. They reason that all children, they write there, all children, not just certain ones, all children are born delinquent. And if they are permitted, will continue their self-centered world, giving free reign to their actions and wants. Every child would grow up, they say, to be either a criminal, a thief, or a killer. I mean, this, this, is, a, this is some study right here. You say, not my little angel. And God says, therefore, discipline and instruct them so that you might remove this subversion, this foolishness far from them. Now, two weeks ago, we began to look at raising our kids. We saw number one in Psalms 127, verse 3. Don't need to turn there. It says that our children are a gift from the Lord to us. And so we, 
we surmise that God loves our children very much and He has given them to us, given them, if you, if you would, on loan so that we might present them back to Him, mature, grown individuals who know and love Him. That, that's our job. We also saw that we, we must become extremely aware of the bent of our child. Remember? That's in Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way they shall go. And when they get old, they won't depart from that. And we told you a lot of people hold on to that as if it were a salvation verse. It's not. It has everything to do with the way your child is bent. In other words, what he enjoys or she enjoys to do. If she's studious or he's studious, that you shouldn't force them into something else. You should kind of build that bent within their lives help them that way and if they're athletic and they and and they want to move in that direction you're to help them move in that direction and and we believe that the bible teaches that a a child's self-worth and self-esteem will come when they are moved in the direction in which they wish to go thirdly we saw that we must love them beyond measure but we we found out that that true biblical love is what I said a little while ago, and that's thinking more highly of the other person than we do ourselves. When, when we really understand, husbands, when you and I really understand how to love our wives, then we will start loving them like we are to love them like Christ what loves us. Husbands, you get that. You got it. If you, if you can capture that, that issue of love for your wife, You've got a, a happy woman on your hands for the most part. And wives, we learn that you are not to try to, to desire or control or master your husband. And so we are to love our children. But to love our children, that means we're to, we're to think more highly of them than we do our own selves. And so we're to love our kids, which consists of disciplining them and instructing them in the Lord. That's the highest form of love that you'll ever show your child. So we see in, in, in Ephesians 6, 4, clearly we're not to provoke our children to anger. Well, how do we not provoke them to anger? Listen to what the, the Bible says. Listen to what our Lord says. And try to raise your child His way. You see... The Bible is clear on a few things. There are, there are the world's way of doing things and there's God's way of doing things. You know, we're in really good hands here. Let, let's face it. If you study the Bible at all, we believe as a church that, that religion is, is, is not that is, an issue, that, that any uh, denomination's not an issue. What is that issue is your relationship to Jesus Christ. We believe the Bible when it says, and Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and, and you don't, nobody comes to the Father but through me. We believe that He is the way to salvation. We're in good, good company here. But the truth of the matter is, no matter what any other religion or any other church might, might teach, doesn't make it right if they go against what God says is right. Same thing about loving your wife. Same thing about loving your husband. Same thing about loving your kids. And so God's way is, is clear. You're in Proverbs, I hope, still. Look at Proverbs 13, 
verse 24. God's way to love and to raise our kids is clearly through discipline and instruction. Look at Proverbs 13, 24. God says, the parent, it's he there, but it could mean man or wife, uh, husband or wife. He who spares his rod, what? A pretty strong statement. To spare the rod would be to hate our child. But the, but the parent who loves his child does what? It disciplines this child diligently. Now, we know what discipline means. It means to bring forth pain. But remember two weeks ago, we talked about the word diligently. The word diligently means at an early time or at an early age. You see, if the child's will is not broken early in life, then they will never really be able to submit to God or to anyone else for that matter. You see, what is true of children is also true of us. I don't want you to turn there now. We will at the end of this message. But listen to Hebrews 12, 11. All discipline, it says in Hebrews 12, 11, for the moment, all discipline, that means to bring forth pain, for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Amen. That's a true statement. But it says to those who have been trained by it, trained by discipline, Afterwards, it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Our will needs to be broken. Our children's will needs to be broken. So that we, so that they can become useful for God and for our own selves. And to break our will is a painful and sorrowful process. It's best done, though, in our youth through discipline and instruction. Well, where does the pain come from? Well, we read it just a little while ago. It says in Proverbs 13, 24, it's through the rod. The Bible says, don't spare the rod. If you spare the rod, you're going to hate your kid. If you love your kid, you're going to discipline him and you're going to discipline him diligently early in life. You see, the pain comes through the rod. Now, I didn't have this last night. Someone brought me this this morning. I told him that in our home, this one's bigger than what we used. A little thicker, too. Ours was, you can get these at a paint store, any hardware store. They're free. (laughs) At least they used to be. I don't know anymore. You go in there and you get one. Ours was thinner and and a little shorter. And I drilled a hole in the thing, you know, and put a little string around it and hung it in a closet by the garage. Yeah, as we went out to the garage. This was our form of discipline called it the spanking stick kids hated this they did they really hated this you see pain comes through this never never this i would say never your belt i'd say never anything that is a part of you god says we're to choose an object a rod to spank or discipline our children I believe the reason is our hands are a part of us. You see, as a parent, not a, not, none of our bodies should be associated with the pain that is brought forth upon our children. Our kids, I swear, when we used to go out to the car, they hated going by that closet. 
because they knew this lurked in there somehow. This was never a, a gimmick or a toy in our house. We never brought it out for any reason other than to discipline. It was never even mentioned in our home. But this was the process by which our children were disciplined. By the way, it really doesn't hurt that much. I mean, you, it doesn't. It doesn't really. You can't kill them. You know, even though you're disciplined, you're not going to kill them. You see, why we are never to use our hands is because when we reach out to our children, it should be purely in love. When we reach for our kids, it should be never to discipline them, but purely to love them. And so the rod, not being a part of our body, because it is used for discipline and discipline only. And as I said to you, God has given a proper place to spank a child, and that is on their bottom. I know of no other place that is more effective to spank where very little to no damage can be done when spanking properly. Another thing about spanking, it it must always be done in private. Matthew 18.15 says that God talks about rebuking a brother or a sister in the Lord in private. There is little else that can break a child's will and his spirit, and his self-esteem more than to embarrass them in public, especially, especially parents, in front of their peers. Always discipline them in private and never use a part of your body to strike a child. Always use a rod. And if you have to, if you're, you're not at home, right, and something happens that is wrong, then you wait. You don't, you don't, beat the child up with what you're going to say. You just simply say to them, when we get home, get the spanking stick. I'll meet you upstairs in your bedroom. It's That's it. It's over with. It's done. You should see them if you've never tried it the rest of the afternoon. It's very uncomfortable. We're anticipating that moment when they get home. Now, I've not even talked about the hideous crime of child abuse. I don't even hardly know how to. For the life of me, I don't get it. I don't get the most precious gift that you can receive apart from your salvation and apart from your mate, your child, that you would even consider harming them. You never would, you never would discipline a child when you're angry. If you're still upset over what they did, you take a time out. Tell them, listen, grab the stick and, and daddy will come upstairs in, in good time. And you calm yourself down. You never, ever discipline a child when you're angry with them. Because the, the precious moment in, in disciplining a child is when we used to, when I did, when I used a spanking stick, after I was through spanking them, I would slide that thing way underneath the bed so nobody could see it. And then we would just hug one another and just love on one another and, and caress each other and say how much we love each other and, and how much we hate disciplining and how... The rules, you know, ask questions sometimes. Is, it, is this rule so hard that, that you can't live by it? You'll get an honest answer often. No, Daddy, I just messed up. And, and then just explain to your child how much you hate disciplining them, how much you want them to be all that God wants them to be. I don't understand uh, child abuse for the life of me. But never, ever, ever 
discipline your child in anger and never ever use your hand because a hand can very simply be folded up into a fist. Well, then what's the line between true godly discipline and brutality? Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. It says in verse 11, my son, that could be daughter there, don't reject the discipline. That's the, 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 the pain of the Lord. Don't loathe his reproof. That's his instruction. In other words, don't, don't reject that you've gone through some difficulties. Don't loathe the fact that he has given you instructions on how to live your life. Because it says in verse 12, For whom the Lord loves, He reproves. In other words, He instructs. Even as a father would the child in whom He delights. See, what Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 are telling you and me is that there needs to be established rules. Just as you and I have rules of how we are to live our lives. It's not a standard or a, a rule set by a, a, a religious body. It's a... It's a set of rules that are are written right here in the the pages of your Bible that you can understand and read and and know on your own. This is what God would give you as His reproof or His instructions. And the standard is clear if we read and, and study. And so we know where we stand, so a child should know where they stand within the home at all times, what is expected of them and why. Because it says, For whom the Lord loves, He will reprove or instruct even as a father or a mother would the child in whom they delight. So there must be yakag. You must instruct your child thoroughly before there is any discipline or yasag. By the way, I touched on it just a little bit. When we instruct, the tongue should never be confused with the rod. Never confuse discipline and instruction with trying to tell them what to do after you already set the rules. God did not create any part of your body or mine to inflict pain, whether it be the hand, or in my case I would say the belt, or or any part that is of you, especially not your tongue, not your words. The tongue should never be used for discipline. There should be a set of rules, know what it is. When they break them, they know it. And just simply say, get the spanking stick. I'll meet you upstairs in your bedroom. You see, the tongue will break a child's spirit, not their will. And the tongue can destroy a kid. You ever watch a... I've heard parents say this. I, I, I have. I've heard parents say, I will not spank my child. That's inhumane. I will reason with them. And God says discipline is necessary to break your child's will. And He says it must be accompanied first by instruction, but when the instructions are broken, then discipline is necessary. Have you ever watched a parent to try to tell a kid over and over and over again, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. It drives you batty. You should not even have to say don't do it. You've done it. Grab the stick. Meet you upstairs. Case is now closed. You don't berate the child over and over and over and over again. If you've ever watched that scenario, take your eyes off the parents and watch the kids. And after the parents leave, watch them just roll their eyes. 
Now I have to go through that again. It's worse than a spanking, folks. I'm going to show you this. Proverbs 29, verse 15. Watch what it says about discipline connected with instructions or reproof. They're both necessary. In verse 15 of Proverbs chapter 29, it says, The rod, that's discipline with pain, and reproof, that's instruction. Give what? Give a child what? Wisdom. A child who gets his own way will bring shame upon his parents. In most every case, without spanking, the tongue becomes the disciplinary rod or the instrument of pain. And we end up breaking a child's spirit and not their will. And what happens without exception? I'll tell you what happens. You will provoke that child to anger. Proverbs 15.4, great verse. Don't even turn there. Look, a soothing tongue, it says, is the tree of life. But perversion, perversion of the tongue crushes the spirit. Let me read that again. A soothing tongue is the tree of life, but perversion of the tongue will crush their spirit. You see, the tongue is used to bring about self-esteem over and over and over again, not to tear down. The rod is used to break the will so that you can then build the child up. I mean, that's true for adults. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need at the moment, that it might give grace to those who hear. That's a principle from the Word of God. You don't berate a child with your tongue beyond me that, that you can hear mother say, okay, one more time. What? What one more time? One time's plenty. That's a rule. Well, at least it was in ours. Maybe you want to make three. Go ahead. Go ahead and make three strikes. You're out if you want. But you're going to really sorry you did that. Just make it one time. And they say, you do that again? Ooh. And they do it again. Oh, I told you, don't do that. And you're, diff- you're just in the, they're rolling their eyes. And they're almost saying to themselves, spank me for crying loud. Let me get this over with. <laughs> I don't think they're saying that, but I made that up. <laughs> I want to close with this. I'm going to tell you why spanking is so important. Find Hebrews chapter 12. I told you we'd find Hebrews eventually. While you're turning to Hebrews 12, I want you to listen. This is extremely important. An undisciplined child will ultimately feel that they are not a part of the family. Let me repeat that. That's heavy. An undisciplined child will ultimately feel as though they are not a part of the family. You think not? Listen and read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. It says, And have you forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as children? Now I stop and would ask, What what exhortation? What have I forgotten? It says, My son or my daughter, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. In other words, the bringing forth pain of the Lord. Nor faint when you are reproved or instructed by Him. Why? Why am I not to regard lightly the discipline of my Lord, nor faint when He gives me instructions? 
He says in verse 6, For those of us whom the Lord loves, He is going to discipline. He scourges every single child whom He receives. Verse 7, Because it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with children. What child is there whom His Father does not discipline? Hear that? Now listen closely to verse 8. If you are without discipline which all of us have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. I'm telling you, an undisciplined child will feel like they're not a part of the body. Furthermore, he says in verse 9, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? They discipline us, parents, for a short time, which seems best to them, but He disciplines us for our good so that we might share in His holiness. Discipline for a short time makes me think of this. The last time I put a stick on my son's behind was, I don't remember how old he was, but we went upstairs, same routine. He lay down on the bed and I went, boom! And he goes, is that all you got? And I said, nope. I said, that's it, son. It's over. Let's talk about another way to discipline you. I'll never hit you again. He was old enough. It was, it was beyond him. It, he didn't need that anymore. Is that all you got? You got to be kidding me. I said, what do you want me to do? Go get my bat? <laughs> so we sat down together and I said, now, when you break the rules, how can dad and mom discipline you? Because not going to spank you ever again, son. You're too old. But you're not too old to be disciplined. What is it that you think needs to be done? You'd be shocked. Honestly, you'd be shocked how much we, we went around in a, in, a, in a discussion about how we ought to discipline him. He, he asked me to do things to him that I would have never have thought of doing. Are you certain? Yeah, Dad, If I, that's a good way to break my eyes. Okay, son. Okay. We discipline our kids for a short time as seems what's best for them. But God disciplines us for our good so that we might share in His holiness. Verse 11, all discipline, this is what I read to you a while ago, for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Who amongst us cannot say amen to that? How many of us have been taken to the woodshed by God and just felt the pain of discipline? It's not joyful. It is sorrowful. Yet it says to those of us who have been trained by it, it meaning discipline to pain afterwards, it's going to yield to us a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Let me close with this. I have a theory on why our society is going the way it is and, and why we're having so much trouble with kids today. To me, it's, it's as simple as could be. Within our children today, there is a lack of desire for us as adults to discipline them. Why are there gangs running wild in our streets? You know why? I'll tell you why. Because they're not afraid of the consequences. Because in most cases, there is no to too little discipline in their homes, too little consequences in our courts, too little consequences in schools and in our society. Let me tell you a story that I will remember till my dying day. I was a little boy. I was a tot. I was a, I loved athletics. That's all. That was my bent. And I, I we used to go to the YMCA and we play sports. And 
And we were going to go play another Y in a softball game right down my alley. Let me go. I can play. And I did something that they disciplined me and they said, you can't go on this trip. And I really seethed with anger as I watched the bus drive off with all the other kids. And they were laughing at me as they were going away. And I said, you laugh, are you? I got a Coke bottle. I broke it and I found all of their bikes and I, I cut up every one of their tires. Every one of them. Boy, I made a very short work of all their tires. And, I, and they're watching me. And they put on a call to my parents. And they say that they had to let the police know that I destroyed some bicycles. To which my father took me by the hand. We lived in a small town in Highland Park, Michigan. And the police department was somewhere down the street. And I remember we walked there to the best of my memory. And every step was like death. My dad was walking me to the police station. And he says, here's my son. And you, I think you know what he's done. Yeah, they said yeah, he, uh, he destroyed about five or six bicycles, you know. My dad said, what are you going to do with them? To this day, I believe it was rigged. <laughs> they said, we have to put him in jail overnight. My dad says, okay. I looked at my father. I says, Okay. And they said, what do you want? I said, I don't know. But I don't want to go to jail. Daddy, I don't want to go to jail. He says, then how are we going to take care of those bikes? And he made me get a paper route. I didn't want a paper route. I wanted to play ball. And I paid for every single one of those bicycles. And every time I delivered the papers, I thought about how I shamed my father. I was more afraid of my father than I was the police. You know what would happen today in some of the parents' life if they, they would sue the YMCA? They would. Get the ACLU after the YMCA for treating my son. He is going to be... This is going to trouble him for a long time. Yeah, you bet it will. I've never cut another tire in two for, for all these years. I've never tried to do anybody any harm for their property all this time because I don't want to embarrass my father. Discipline. Instruction. Raising godly kids. We've got to do it God's way. Don't be a parent that tells your kids over and over, don't do that. Don't, I told you, don't, I, to, I thought I told you, don't do that. You don't have to tell them a lot of times. Just grab the stick. No. Go upstairs. I'll grab, yeah, grab the stick. We'll go upstairs. I'll see you there in a minute. It'll stop. Oh, it'll stop. It will stop. Father in heaven above. It is a difficult topic, Father. Because so many people have different opinions of, of how to raise a child. And most of the opinions are very unbiblical. We need to see what you have to say about how we are to live and, and how we are to take care of our lives and our loved ones. Husbands, you love your wives like Christ loves the church. That's the rule. Wives, don't try to desire your husband or try to control him. That's the rule. 
Children, honor your mother and your father, for this is right. That's the rule. Moms and dads, don't provoke your children to anger. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. That's the rule. Father, may we follow your word. May it sear itself upon our own hearts so that we might drive any foolishness or rebellion away from our children, far from them, so that we might give back to you the very precious gift that you have given to us, and that's our kids. Father, I want to thank you for each person here. Bless them bless them deeply, Father, please. I pray your blessing upon each of us. May we love you. And may we love each other, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you folks more than I can tell you. God bless you. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you so much.